Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 334. Let's talk Scorigami. back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Sam and Eddie. Boys, how's it going? As usual, episode kicks off a little deafer than I was five seconds before the episode started. <laughs> it's always good just to be like re-woken up. It's yeah. quite late here in it's Europe, true, yeah. so it's always good to get perked up. Yeah, but uh, and anyone who's trying to fall asleep as they listen to our episode, we're just <laughs> going to delay that by 90 minutes. But now I'm all right. And it's interesting, you know, so after the conversation we had with the two of you about the wedding and Frank, you being Sam's plus one, got some pretty instantaneous feedback from listeners, a lot of whom have said they enjoy some of our uh, less sporty discussions more than some of our sports discussions, which I'll take as a compliment. They didn't mean it as a negative. And so Sam, over the cor- uh, over the week... I had this question, and as our resident expert when it comes to these topics, I thought I might ask you something. And this is not specific <laughs> to you, but based on it's a little bit of a spin off on what happened with the idea of you and Frank going on a date together. I have a question. No, wait, wait, that was never the topic. <laughs> well, it could it have been one of the conditions. It could together. have been one of the conditions. I mean, it kind of is a date, but yeah. Um, so. Is attending a wed- wedding together as a plus one. So, well, oh, come on. Come right. on, Frank. <laughs> anyway, don't. Here's the question When to, and the answer to this is probably not universal. So, this is going to come across. You're not going to be able to give a, a complete answer to the question I'm about to ask. However, when you're hitting on a, on a, a guy in a bar and you kind of decide you want to go home with him, you, he likes you, you like him. And obviously within the gay community, you have tops and you have bottoms. And I, there are also people who are willing to do both. At what stage in the evening do you have to have the conversation about whether the other, like, I'm a top, what are you? Because sort of, as, as a straight man, I cannot relate to having to have that conversation sort of before anything occurs. Oh, really? So when you're hitting up a woman in the bar, you don't say, I love receiving. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no I love receivers. I'm a big fan of wide receivers. That's the, that's ah, my pickup. Line. Okay. That could, that could also and, be and Sam says he's a big fan of tight ends. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> tight end, wide Hey-o. receivers. They've kind of all, they've all got connotations. Um, so that was from one of the listeners or is that your question? No, we've lost listeners from Eddie's oh, so question. We haven't, this is, so we haven't had, like, Joe this Gruden. Is, this is my <laughs> question. However, I will say, because the, the some of the feedback that we did get from listeners, they were fascinated by this. And I do think, listeners, if you want to, con, if you want to submit your questions about this type of topic, you can... You know, follow us on Instagram, the Big Chill Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, the Big Chill Podcast. Just tag us in it. Just ask away, and we can discuss them. Doesn't have to be at all related to sports, but yeah, no. This is this is purely. I was kind of thinking about it, and I was realizing I have no understanding of when that conversation would take place. 
Okay. I look forward to this 15-minute segment, uh, like uh, kind of appearing, you know, just after the NFL, just like, now we turn to the homosexual topics. But Eddie, before he answers, isn't it a little presumptuous that, like, you're implying within the first night that it's going to reach that level? No, but I'm just imagining. I'm I'm not. I'm just like a bar. You're taking someone home, you know. So like, I imagine if I'm single, I'm picking up a girl in a bar. I don't have to have a conversation with her on the way home. Of, you know, are there specific positions that you're willing to get into? You see what I mean? Like those are those are conversations that you do not need to have in a straight relationship. Whereas, obviously, from my perspective, maybe I'm wrong. I would have thought that's a conversation maybe you do need to have before you get home as two gay men, but this is where Sam comes in. It is. Okay. Uh, depends on what kind of you would anticipate the end result being. So if you just think it's like a one night stand and it's just for sex, you probably are going to find that out pretty quickly for compatibility. But if you, uh, I don't know, say if you get talking with a guy and maybe like you like really hit off, there's a connection and that kind of thing. I'd probably say it would come up naturally if that makes sense like at some point it's going to be like look if we're going back to mine just to let you know this is my way uh, this is the way i'm inclined um do you so, say yeah, my way or the happen. highway <laughs> <laughs> i kind of actually just do it with the limp biscuit in the background <laughs> so i don't really say it i'm just gonna let fred tell you like um so yeah i'd probably say it like that i think if you if you just want sex you'll last pretty quickly and it'll be like oh well it's not going to happen or you just don't go all the way okay and, and again right. this is not going to be universal but you've almost raised more when you say you're going to ask pretty quickly i'm going to walk up to you we're in a bar i go hey sam well i don't know your name i go hey hey guy <laughs> <laughs> how do you know my name <laughs> <laughs> who are you <laughs> I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> but I'm a bottom. So. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay, we've, we've just role-played <laughs> it pretty well. Yeah. I see. It's see the dynamic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it's, natural. It's not clunky. It's not clunky at all. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, I also think there's probably, you kind of pick up on it as well. Like, it's not like a look thing. <laughs> so what can't... does that mean? It's so just, if they if they if they they've got a wider stride they're probably a bottom <laughs> yeah if they're walking around I like was, a crab i was <laughs> like, just picturing how they were like positioned in the bar like if they had yeah, their hands on the bar and we're just like <laughs> stick it out. no that's if the guys, yeah, just half the people in the club are just walking around like john wayne if, yes. if, if the guy's are just there pineapples involved yeah if the guy's just sitting at the bar but you realize it's not a bar stool it's just his umbrella then you're like okay now we know where he stands <laughs> no they just have these gay nights where you just wear like a um like a a, a picture in front of you and it just says like top bottom or versatile because like a traffic light like a gay traffic versatile light. wow that you that must be like a good pull in the gay community huh you're like the, the flex play in fantasy football. You're yeah. like the O negative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say you can just pick up on it. I, I mean, come on. Like if, if you're gay and you've been gay your whole life and you've been going out for like 10 years or whatever, like in the gay scene, you're probably going to get an idea of kind of who prefers what. Just oh, by from, how? Like, no, no, no. You're you not. Speak to them. The way you speak to them. Like if I come up to you and go, hey. Yeah. 
you want but a in drink? the same way that you would you would know if someone's hitting on you or not or if you know they're like giving you eyes across the bar you just kind of know from so the experience the, of like looking for it is the assumption that the one doing the hitting is a top no okay. i i actually this might be controversial but i would actually say the opposite oh hot take oh, this whole segment this whole segment's controversial <laughs> We lost all of our listeners. Big chill podcast, hot take. Hot take. We're um, gonna call. We're gonna I call you probably... Sam. We're gonna call you Stephen Gay Smith from now on, and you're just gonna give us, just gonna give us the hot takes. All right, there's my hot take. I think bottoms do more of the hitting than tops in the gay world. All right, that's a nice way, I suppose. Disagree. Again, interact with us on social media. It's going to be an interesting. <laughs> I thought you were saying you disagree. <laughs> I disagree, <laughs> and I'll tell and I'll tell you for what, and I'll tell you for why, Sam. I disagree. <laughs> oh, Sam, you are wrong, and let 100. me tell you personally why. <laughs> um, personally and intimately, why you're wrong. Now, speaking of things that Sam has been wrong about in the past, Sam let slip this weekend. The two of I were he and I were texting. I was on the way back from. Uh, a trip to the driving range and we were just talking about random things and, and out of the blue sam just said to me do you think i seem like more of a dexter than i seem like a sam i was like who on earth has told you this and sam said his dad told him that when he was born the options for his potential name were samuel and dexter and obviously they chose samuel now we can get into whether or not Dexter is a good name. That's for a later debate. But as part of this, Sam then said, well, there's like something more unique about Dexter Jones. Like Dexter Jones sounds like a really good name. I'm not going to deny it. Dexter Jones is a kind of unique name. But you always had the argument that your name was more Samuel yeah. Jones. It was, <laughs> was kind of as unique <laughs> as it could get. Coming from Sam, that is impressive. You know, I mean, he's on the podcast as saying he has a very unique name compared to our names, which are very boring. Mm. I don't, at first I thought you meant to say, is he a Dexter as in the serial killer from the TV show? And (laughs) I thought that was going to lead to a much deeper conversation we were about to have. No. Do you know, what were your alternative names, Frank? Was it always Frank? Always going to be Frank. Zero change. I think so. Yeah. It's a family name. What about if you're a girl? Francesca. Frankina? Frankina? Francesca, man. <laughs> what are you, Frankina? <laughs> Francesca, man. <laughs> yeah. I Francesca, man. Man, 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 man just Duca. Manchesca. Manduka. Manchesca. Just, you should just Manduka. I like that. Um, yeah. I don't know what my alternatives would have been had I been a girl. However, when I was born, I was originally named I Frederick. Mean. And then, so for the first time. And then they just pushed that back to later in your name? <laughs> well, basically. Yeah. So We're gonna, this is going to be second. Edward was one of my middle names. Third. Third, yeah. So Edward was one of my middle names, and then they flipped them. After like 24 hours, they decided I was more of an Edward than a Frederick. So they flipped it around. I think first 24 hours of my life, I was Frederick. What what happened in the chaos of those 24 hours? I just think, so the, the significance is based on like 
kind of passed down family name. So my Edward is a name I'm from my dad's side of the family. And then my, one of my other middle, well, I have two middle names. The other one is Ian that came from the, my mother's side of the family. And then, uh, Frederick was chosen as the kind of unique sort of new name. And then just decided, just looked at me and decided I was, wasn't a Frederick. Now, what's interesting there is you prefer Eddie over Ed. Would you have preferred Freddie over Fred? Yeah, I think I would have definitely been a Freddie. For sure. But that would have been interesting. Because originally, when I was a little kid, I was adamant that my name could not be shortened. Until I was like 11 or 12, if anyone called me Ed or Eddie, I hated it. I refused to respond so to it. I was like, my name is Eddie. <laughs> is this, is this that's, the kid who would sit in the, in, the, in the first class airplanes and complain yeah, yeah. and pretend no. his legs were paralyzed? <laughs> this is... <laughs> is that why your legs became paralyzed on the flight? The flight attendant called you Eddie and he just had a mental he just, he just, yeah, He just locks up. <laughs> no, unrelated stories. But yeah, no, I hated it. I was really, I was really, because I mean, part of it was was kind of being the British kid in the U.S. And in the U.S., everyone wanted to shorten my name. And it was kind of like this feeling of I kept an element of my Britishness by sticking with Edward. I think that was kind of my my logic. And And then it was just at a certain moment in time, all my friends started calling me Eddie. And I was probably 11 or 12. And then from that moment on, yeah. I mean, I still introduced myself as Edward. So even you when still, you lived in America, you were so anti-American that you wanted to keep your English roots. Yeah, that will please your dad. <laughs> For a while, I, I went by Osama, but uh, it just didn't stick. <laughs> Why well, didn't? Oh, so what you're saying is it didn't land? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ooh, too far, Sam. Ooh, too, too, way too far, far Sam. Whoa, whoa. Oh, really? So we're doing the 15-minute gay segment. <laughs> Anything like that. Perish the thought. Pretty much, yeah. I can, imag- I can just imagine you, Eddie, as like an 11 or 12-year-old, like, okay, I'm going to make some friends. And then someone's like, hi, Ed, uh, excuse me. <laughs> like, no, no. Let's be clear. I had friends, all right? <laughs> what a, didn't I wait. said trying to make friends. Like, but I didn't wait to, could... I, it's not like I waited to 11 to try and make friends. I already had friends. Let's be. How many? Yeah, his mom and sister lived with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my dad also lived with me, Frank. Yeah, well, he wasn't your friend. He wasn't my friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> he refused to be your friend. Uh, um, how many friends? I don't know. I don't know when I was a kid. Probably not that many. I don't know. I feel like as a young kid, when you're really little, you don't have that many friends. You kind of got a group of maybe like four or five. I think when you're... Like those are the kids you like always hang out with, you have sleepovers with. It's not like I was like some massive social group that I was kind of going from one to the other. It was kind of like I had a core group of five or six and basically never strayed outside of them apart from interactions in like at school or on a sports team. And then it all went wrong when you started asking them top or bottom. (laughs) It took them like 10 years to understand. Slow learners. Kept kept asking me, but you don't have bunk beds. <laughs> oh, so naive. So I've got a question for both of you, actually, that we can use to transition away from Sam's newly appointed segment 
to sports, which we more commonly talk about. Tom Brady scored his or passed for his 600th TD. And I don't know if you saw, I'm, gonna, I'm assuming Eddie. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say right now, my answer is no to the question I think you're about to ask. Well, that would be strange because, <laughs> but let me get into my question. Um, Mike Evans, who caught the touchdown pass, then gave the ball to a fan in the stands. And then they came back, uh, someone for the Buccaneers and bargained with the fan who had the ball to give it back. And then they said they would give him such and such. So what the fan got in return was a different game ball and a thousand dollar gift card to the team store and a promise of a helmet, a couple of jerseys and in quotations, something nice in return from Tom Brady. Now, the ball has been valued already at $500,000 if it were to go into auction, which he gave away for, again, a different game ball, a $1,000 gift card to the team store, and then a helmet and a couple of nice jerseys in addition to the 1000 he has to spend at the team store on jerseys, most likely, and something nice from Brady. His thing that he said is he's hoping to get a round of golf with Tom Brady. That's what he would like in return. So my question is, what would you want from Tom Brady if you were to give that ball up? And I guess the answer, no, wouldn't really suffice there. Well, my question, <laughs> so I, I thought you Would you ask, give it back? And I wouldn't have given it back. I would have said, like, he's got the money. He can pay the $500,000. Like, this is my, I'll tell you what. I'll give <laughs> See you on eBay. I'll, I'll give you, you this. I don't know Four. if he's even going to keep it. I think it might go right to the Hall of Fame. Well then, either way, Hall of Fame can buy it off me. Like you know that I don't care. The the Bucks can buy it off me. It's a bit. Did they wait? Did they negotiate? Did they bargain with the guy on like luck? like in the stands? He, they like reached I mean, over that's, the stands. That's now douchey they, as well because they're just putting him under pressure. Well, there were cameras on him and stuff. What now? Who knows? Maybe what they said was we'll negotiate the terms later, but we want to take the ball from you. You never know. They might have said like we're going to take it into safekeeping. It's still your ball, but we'll work out the details later on so um, i'll give you time to think and i'll tell you the best one i've heard so far is someone said they would like a signed ball from tom brady that says yes the balls were deflated <laughs> as kind of like an admission of guilt on that he's not going to do that because that's, like that. that's like me saying that's like me saying oh i know what i want i want to be the starting quarterback for the bucks in the super bowl in return, like we, we may as well ask for things. Well, Eddie, we know how good you are. Yet. We know how competent you are at QB. Well, I could be the punter. But hey, maybe you asked for field passes in the playoffs. No, I would want lifetime season tickets to the Bucks. That's that's demand number one. That's like I want lifetime season tickets. Lifetime. Lifetime. Two. How many? Lifetime. Two. Two. Okay. Two. Yeah, because I'm not going to go alone. So two lifetime season tickets. They don't have to be amazing, but they have to be pretty good. Like, I'm not asking for a luxury box. I don't need anything. I don't need to be a VIP on a game every game day. But I just want to know the rest of my life I got tickets to the box. Because also, okay, the average, the average price is about. It's looking at about two hundred dollars per game. I mean, that's the average price. That's a low seat. That's, that's a low seat. A thousand is the higher ones. 
but Frank, that's the average price right now when they're Super Bowl contenders. Let's wait 10 years when Tampa Bay is back to being absolutely terrible and no one cares about Tampa Bay anymore and they can't give those tickets away. Could you could you like somehow guarantee yourself, you know, at like halftime, they always do the competitions where you can win more money. Could you guarantee a <laughs> slot every time, <laughs> like on the opportunity to win more money? So your That's offer is actually not a bad option. <laughs> no, I think you, you should say, I want to like get the kick challenge. And if I get the kick challenge, I can win up to a million dollars. I won the kick challenge on top of the other guy or girl that does it every week. So I'm going to ask for things I think they could give to me without it costing them a lot of money, really. So I think the the two lifetime season tickets fundamentally is kind of no cost to them, right? Like, And then I asked for Super Bowl tickets. I asked for two Super Bowl tickets and for them to pay for my Super Bowl experience to this year's Super Bowl. And regardless of whether they're in it and they win that might be a lot because those really, really, they spend a lot of money on <laughs> and, and i want to pick up the lump and i want to pick up the lombardi trophy <laughs> i want to be I on wanna... the field for the celebration yeah patrick mahomes brother style oh god just, what just tick- dancing on the memorials <laughs> tick talking talking over the 9-11 memorial god <laughs> no it would be uh what's his face it would be uh, the Cardinals. Oh, man. Oh, Tillman. The, the, yeah. <laughs> you could do it over Pat Tillman's memorial. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think that's my demand. Lifetime. You wouldn't want anything season. personal from Brady? Like hang out with Brady, spend a weekend with Brady on a cruise? <laughs> what about you get like the kiss that he gave his kid? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I want to be kissed like his child for a year. <laughs> okay, now that would be an intro. That's a funny one. I want to perfectly recreate the kiss scene with his child. Because because shot that would go on shot. YouTube. You would get millions upon millions of views. So you get residual advertising income there. I mean, there would be, I think I think you have to spin the something personal with Tom Brady. Like... He hangs out like on the bye week. You hang out with him and watch NFL Red Zone the whole time. But you're giving up something with tremendous, and I that's admirable to want an experience. But you're giving up something with tremendous monetary value for something. I would get including some an experience with it. Like yeah, but the other thing is it was kind of a mistake. You got it right. It's not as if you earned that monetary well, award. Someone mistakenly gave it to you because they didn't realize the situation. So it's kind of a very tricky scenario. It's not like you bought a lottery ticket and won the lottery. Someone just accident. It's as if someone walked down the street and was like, here's a losing ticket and gave it to you and it was a winner. Oh, they're getting nothing. I'll tell you <laughs> yeah. that. If that scenario ever happens in my life and I've won the lottery, <laughs> see ya. Person is getting it's not gonna get dime. The only thing they're getting is a lesson. That's it. I hope I hope you win <laughs> your survivor pool and ask me to go get the money. <laughs> Cause that is exactly the same scenario right there. No, because we know each other. Can you go pick up my money? Yeah, sure. 
no, no, no. Because in this scenario, I don't. This is a stranger has given me the lottery ticket. I'm not saying Sam gives me his winning lot, like thinks it's a loser. I realize it's one, and I go and Sam goes, "Hey, have you, <laughs> you seen Eddie bought like a bunch of houses and stuff?" And we're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you can imagine Frank picking up the money and just you and I every week going, "Where's Frank on the podcast?" We keep telling him the time. <laughs> I, 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 you're right though. I think you do need to get some sort of monetary reward, but I think you should also get some sort of personal because it, it's obviously means something to Brady. So it'd be nice if he showed the appreciation and did something on like a personal level. And I mean, the argument would be when I'm asking for tickets, right? I'm getting an experience from it. So if I get lifetime season tickets, I'm buying, you know, game day experiences all the time. I get to bring someone for free on a regular basis. So that would be kind of cool. Family members, people you were dating or whatever, you'd always children in the future. You'd always have that opportunity to kind of have that experience. But yeah, I'd probably want to meet him. I don't know if I want to sit down. I don't know if I want to watch. So, I mean, it could be miserable with him just being, oh Christ, I've, I've agreed to sit with this loser on a Sunday and watch the NFL on my bye week. I think it'd be pretty there. fun. What would you rather watch? Would you watch like a film with him or? <laughs> yeah, Titanic. <laughs> what about playing golf with him? It could be. The, the advantage of making him play golf is that he, it would probably mean he has to be kind of engaged, right? Because he doesn't want to just embarrass himself on the round. So even if he doesn't talk and you know he's competitive, so if you felt yeah. like you were a decent golfer, you could probably bring some interesting interactions out of him, even if he didn't really want to be there. Whereas I think everything else, if he just doesn't want to be there. I remember my dad uh, telling me his company used to sponsor uh, the German Golf Open. And so what they used to take clients there and then, you know, a couple of the golfers who were turning up for the event would then have to like out of sponsorship requirements would have to sit and eat dinner with them. And obviously the idea was that you'd sit and eat dinner and then they would, were supposed to tell you stories from the PGA tour and talk golf with you and stuff. And one year he had Nick Faldo and Nick Faldo sat down. Is it sir? Nick Faldo? I guess. Yes. Now. Yes. At the time. No, but Sir Nick Faldo, actually, probably at the time, yes. Sir Nick Faldo sat down, if you really want to go down that path, and uh, didn't say a word. Ate his meal in total silence, finished his three courses, just sat there eating, didn't respond to what anyone said, and then as soon as he had finished his meal, got up and walked away, and that was it. He did the, like, Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said dinner. it first he's yeah, actually exactly. really he's suing currently suing marshawn lynch for copyright of that phrase yeah that's the, you're right that would be the interesting point would be you know would he be engaged what if you got a lifetime meal subscription to the tb12 plan oh no <laughs> would, that, would that make you refuse giving the ball back yeah, why would i punch oh myself? this is really my ball now oh you know what i've always wanted i wanted to not eat strawberries ever again <laughs> thank god i think it's i just think it's a bit douchey that they they did it in front of him like i don't know like you would feel more pressure to do it in case like the crowd started booing you or something like that oh he definitely gets booed if he if he yeah. doesn't give the ball back and people start to realize what it is 
he's getting escorted out of the stadium. I mean, they probably almost might have just ejected him anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it might have been a situation where, oh, you won't give us the ball? Well, we're kicking you out. And that might also be one of those weird things where you don't even know if the terms and conditions of your ticket, can they just take the ball from you anyway? You know, it could be one of these weird scenarios where they're kind of, we're allowing you to have the ball, but if we want to take the ball back, it is our property. So until you get it like outside of these premises, it's our ball. So there's always the risk that you try and hold on to it and they go, okay, you're going to go this route. You can't take it. No, that's that's for sure true though, because I know, I want to say it was the NFL that used to get balls back when they were kicked over the net or something like that. They would go out and get them back because they only have a certain amount of balls and the players like the ones that they're kicking and things like that, that they would get them back from the fans. So that could definitely be a thing. But that's also because no one really wants the ball. Oh, wow, extra point. Yeah. You should have hey, seen you know him. That this, uh, hey, an official ball is like 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it would be a little bit less. You should have seen him at the game. They were basically going like into the net to do it, <laughs> like to try and catch it as it went down. But I don't know then what you're doing. So say if you put your hands through oh, you the don't netting. Get but what do, you, what do you do after that? Like where, yeah, you, like, just, how are you, yeah, you can't, you're not going to be able to rip the net to pull the ball through. So you're just, you would, you're, you'd you're almost stuck. have to get like a layer of like 20 people to like pass it across. Yeah, like it would actually no be pretty do. clever. But I by mean, that in time, J- it's the next quarter. In Japan, they don't let you keep baseballs. You hit a home run, when they hit home runs in Japan, they like security comes over and you get a photo opportunity holding the ball and then security takes the ball back. I just like you get a picture. Yeah. Just like caught a ball. <laughs> a, a bad I mean, picture fairness, of me with a ball. <laughs> Great. Here's here's the reality though. Unless it is a significant home run, who really cares? Like if I had a if I had a home run ball I'd caught and it's just there's a baseball sitting on my desk, it only exists so that every once in a while someone would be like, Hey, where's that ball from? Yeah, I caught it. Like that's the only reason that's the only reason you hold on to it, is just go, Yeah, I caught it. It was, it was a foul ball in the third inning of the 121st game with the Yankees. They were down 6-3. It's meaningless. It was, it was raining. Nine other people were there. I had to run 17 seats over just to pick it up off the ground. I had to wrestle another take, fat guy. Well, for, yeah, well, take, take it off a kid. Case, <laughs> so I guess with that, how about the Bucks dismantling the Bears? And are they... Well, can, can, can we start with the real story of the weekend in the NFL? Yeah, the Arizona the car... Oh, sorry. Which is the... Be- it's the wait, Chiefs. wait, we've all got a different story for that one. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs are the lead story of the NFL. The question of, are they... We, you know, we kind of asked a couple weeks ago, like, were they in trouble? I mean, the question is now, they're definitely in trouble. The question now is, are they done? I mean, like, I don't think the Chiefs are making the playoffs. And when I say they're then done, I don't even know what their long-term future looks like. Kind of spoke a couple of weeks about how these windows can close really fast. I mean, the thing that worries me the most, we all predicted the, the Chiefs to win this game. And for all three of us, the logic was kind of, yes, the Titans are going to be able to run the ball. Yes, Derrick Henry might be able to have a 200-yard rushing game with three touchdowns. 
but they're not going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs' offense. And what concerns me is that not only do they have a horrifically bad defense, but their offense doesn't even, and this is not just an overreaction to to yesterday's game, but just in general, their offense does not look as good as it has done in the past. It looks like teams have kind of figured out how they can take Kelsey and Tyreek Hill away from them. And once you've removed those weapons, it doesn't look great. See, now, I agree and disagree. So I thought the same that the offense wasn't as proficient as it was in the past few years. They have dropped off slightly, but the drop-off actually isn't that much. So where they rank right now in their offense in the, in the NFL is about still top 10 for most statistics. And um, in some of like the overall offensive statistics, they're actually right there with the Cardinals. And you would say that the Cardinals have one of the best offenses in the NFL, but they're actually right there in terms of like yard efficiency and, <laughs> and things like that. So this is where statistics can be misleading. Very misleading. Because, because it's like, it's one thing to say, yes, yeah, statistically over the course of a season, what is your offense? I want to know, I would have never, ever in previous seasons, if you told me you gave Patrick Mahomes the ball with two minutes left, he's got to drive down the field. I would have never said, I would have gone, good luck. Just put seven points on the board. Game over. If you told me, hey, they're down 14, they're down 17, the Chiefs just got the ball and they're going to get the ball back to start the second half. Okay, they're driving down, they're scoring a touchdown now. They're starting the second half, they're scoring a touchdown within two minutes. And this game is 17-14 in a heartbeat and everything looks different. And yeah, okay, statistically what? They had a great second half against Washington. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Well, I mean, like they 33 against the Browns, 35 against the Ravens, 24 against the Chargers, 42 against the Eagles, 20 against the Bills, 31 against Washington. Those are still really high numbers. Yeah, but it doesn't matter when you're like, this is where the stat is irrelevant, right? It doesn't matter also scoring 20 against, how many of the Bills score against them? 38, right? Yeah. And how many yeah, so did I the mean, Chargers? No, I know easier, that's what I'm but... saying. I, I, I don't, I don't think the drop off in their offense is the worry. The worry is you watch their defense, and it's literally we talked about this offline. Every drive, it's you're expecting touchdown. I'm surprised when a team doesn't score a touchdown on every drive with the Chiefs right now. I mean, their defense is that bad. If if Tennessee didn't just not want to score in that second half, they could have put up a hundred. Oh no 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 no! Don't 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 see. This is where I'm, this is where I disagree. Now, whether you the, the bigger problem for them is their defense, but yesterday, it's not that Tennessee stopped wanting to score. I mean, yes, in the fourth quarter when the game was clearly over, sure. But in the third quarter when they couldn't score, you can't tell me that the Titans were sitting there just so confident in the fact a team that has famously blown a massive lead against the Chiefs in a playoff game was sitting there going, "Oh, insurmountable lead for the." for the Chiefs to chase down. Their their defensive performance yesterday was okay. It was okay. If you had told Andy Reid and the Chiefs before that game, this, hey, this is the offer. We want we will offer you all of this from the Titans offensive production. They would have bitten your hand off and not thought twice. It, and on top of it they would have said, "We've won this game by 15." Isn't it? But then the reality is their offense was just terrible. But- I mean, they didn't look like scoring a touchdown. Not only did they not, which is the first time in Mahomes' career where he's not had a touchdown pass or a, he's not had his offense score a touchdown, 
but they didn't look like it. They never got close. I mean, the thing is, though, like, even though it wasn't like defensively bad when you look at the stats, it's just how front heavy, how bad they were. Like in the first half, they gave up 277 yards, right? So it, it it's kind of like the Chiefs haven't had a good defense. Like no, no one's ever proclaimed them for having an incredible defense for the time they've had Mahomes. It's just never been this bad. And the thing is, like, Frank, all those stats about the offense is fine, but they need more than that to compensate now. And they're not getting it. So they're short, as far as I'm concerned. The offense is falling short. But also when you just look at Mahomes' productivity, right, it's 11 turnovers this year already. He was sacked four times in the game. It's, it's just crazy to see this team, which, like you say, is so we're so used to just seeing him blow blow teams away and have absolutely no problem chasing down a deficit, which uh, this was his biggest deficit, wasn't it? It was like down 24-0 at the half is the biggest deficit he's faced. It, it's just, I'm starting to think they might be done. <laughs> like, Oh, they are done. They're done. Well, I mean, that was the other thing I was going to say is right now they're only one game out of a wild card still, which this is what might save them is that the AFC is so middle heavy that right now the browns you, are the last one in the wild card at four and three so they're sitting one game back at three and at, four have you looked at the chief schedule no i understand that but i i don't they're not as done as if no no no, 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 no. let's run through their schedule and then let's decide if they're done okay so next game they play the giants uh, let's give them the win okay yeah home to the home to the giants no, on the road to the Giants. Yeah. 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 At the Giants. Following game, at the Packers. You think they're winning on the road? You think they're winning in Lambeau? No. Okay. Following game, home for the Raiders. I think they'll split yes. with the Raiders. Okay. So we'll, let's give them the home win then. So their record, they've now through the next three games, they've they're- won two, lost one. Following following game, they're on the road. They're at the Cowboys. You think they win no. that? I'll say no. So now two and two from here on okay. in. Then they're at the Bronco. They're at the Broncos. Win. I think we're probably all going to give them the win. Okay. Then they're at the Raiders. You said, said they lose. So that. they're three and two. So now they're th- three and three through their next six. Yeah. Then they're home for the Chargers. Usually a tough game for them. I'd probably give yeah. it to the Chargers. I mean, this Chargers team, I think, would score on every possession. Yeah, if it's right? as long as it's not the Chargers team that played the Ravens. <laughs> so we say we're losing. So they're three and four from yep. here. Then they're they're on the they're. I mean, we know what Frank's going to say. They're at the Steelers. Win. Okay, four and four. Okay. They're they're at home to the Bengals. Big fat L. Yeah, uh, as of now, I'd say loss. And then they're at home for the Broncos Win. final week of the season. So we're saying they're going to go five and five. five. And five. Yeah. So it's a losing season. They're not making the so playoffs. So it's a losing season. Yeah. And that's not going to be good enough. Yeah. But that's saying that they're playing the way they play. If they can turn around one or two of those games and they become nine and eight, you have a chance in the AFC that nine and eight could make it. Just because there's so much parity in the AFC right now. I mean, that their division alone, right? I mean, you have the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. 
who are all going to battle against each other and give each other losses. And then you have your other division yeah, the- of um, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Ra- and the Ravens, right? The other way to the other way to flip that though is that puts so much pressure on those games because all those games where we've given them wins now, they become must win. So it's not even a situation like this game, the Monday night game against the the Giants next week. It's huge. Like their season's over if they lose to the Giants. That's for sure. Yeah, they're not recovering from that. I mean, Andy Reid might even get fired if they lose to the Giants. No, but seriously, like, but all of these games that are tricky games. So then if they lose to the Giants, so then they'd then be what, three and five, right, at that stage? So then the Packers game the following week becomes massive. And then, you know, like all of these games suddenly, they're playing basically playoff games for the remainder of the season. And that's really tough. But how about on the flip side, Eddie? Are you a believer in the Titans? Now back-to-back wins against the Bills and the Chiefs in pretty strong fashion. I mean, I, I, I feel with the Titans, they are who I thought they were, which is, I mean, we know their run game's pretty effective. And if you can't start the run, it opens up the play action when their wide receivers are healthy. And then you have that run game ticking. And with the play action, the, the pass game becomes really, really dangerous. They'll make big plays downfield through the air. Their defense is okay, but it's not great, but it's okay. I had them trash adjacent, right? I'm I'm putting them back on the counter. Okay. But the trash can is still open. So But they're on they're they could get brushed in at any second. Let me put this to both of you. Right now the top three teams, uh, according to like tiebreakers and everything, in the AFC are Bengals, Raiders, Titans. Which one of those do you trust the most that could win a Super Bowl? Uh, well, to win a Super Bowl, I can't say the Bengals. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably say just for the playoff pedigree Raiders? recently, it's, I'd probably say Titans. I'd say Raiders. Like, I feel like the Raiders, when I have almost, I have the most doubts about the Raiden, Raiders in that they're bad. They're the most likely to just throw up a total stinker, right? And lose to a team they shouldn't lose to as they did a couple weeks ago against the Bears, and I guess they now have the excuse of the Gruden situation. And what about the Titans, though, losing to the Jets? Does it get worse than that? (laughs) No, the difference is... With the last two. It does. Well, they had some excuses because they were missing basically all their wide receivers. So I I think the Raiders have the highest ceiling out of all those teams. Like, I actually think if the Raiders, when everything works, if they're healthy and everything works for them, like Derek Carr on his day is a top five quarterback in the NFL. The problem is his day is once every three weeks. So can he pack those into the playoffs and save this, the next bad performance for week one of the, of the following season? That's the real question. But, okay, so that's to win a Super Bowl. Well, what about, like, confidence in the team consistently at the moment? So looking at the Bengals with their kind of hammering of the Ravens, like, 
I would say this is where you've got to start saying that they are not the real deal. Let's let's be honest here, but they've certainly put themselves as a front runner for AFC North, right? I don't know. I'm going to put the Bengals and the Chargers in the same category right now for me. I don't quite believe. Yeah. I, I think I believe more than Eddie does, but I would say I think the Titans have the best chance to win the Super Bowl just because they have Henry, so they have that great running game, but then Tannehill plays well when he needs to play well, and now he has some weapons that he can go to, and their defense has seemed to step up. Uh, the addition of Bud Dupree has looked really good. I mean, he's really carrying that defense right now. And if they can continue to get what was good to see was they're able to get pressure on the quarterback without having to blitz. And that's always been a success in recent years for, for teams winning Super Bowls is to be able to get pressure and still have the maximum amount of coverage you can. And if they can, can do that, like, I mean, they tormented Mahomes with no blitzes at all. They were just dominating. And maybe that's, their offensive line still isn't that great, but they seem to do it the week before with Josh Allen as well. So if, if they can continue to do that, I think the Titans with that defense and their offense could be a, a, a deep playoff contender. On, on that note, what odds do you think Derrick Henry is to win the MVP? And what odds do you think he should be to win the MVP? If you see what I mean? He's probably 25 to 1. And I would say he should be around 15 to 1. Because, I mean, he, he didn't play great last, you know, this week against the Chiefs. He, he had a touchdown pass, which is interesting, but he didn't have 100 yards rushing. And I don't know if he even had a rushing TD. Um, so I guess that's kind of the issue is sometimes you can shut down a running back. Sam? Oh, I thought you were looking up. I didn't know if you actually kind of saw it or... No, I was just waiting for... I'm um, just giving you a chance to share your opinion nah, that we don't have nah, to do in fine. the future. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just done. I'll, I'll, I'll go to bed. Um, I would have gone shorter. I, I would have probably said he's probably about 16s or 18s. And he probably should just be a little bit better than that. Maybe around 12s or something. Like that's where I'd go. Because I think if he true if he does beat that record, I think that kind of propels him. And the fact that he's on course at the moment means the bookies probably have to cover that. So he is twenty to one. I think he's going to win the MVP. Uh, so, so you think the only he people should with... be like, so who's favorite at the moment? Like who's Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray, seven to I two. Mean, if, and look, if if if, if the he plays, Cardinals go unbeaten, then even if they don't go unbeaten, I think if he plays the whole season and they let's say have three or less losses, I think he gets it. So you think? So you think if he plays the whole season, the Cardinals lose three games, versus Derrick Henry carries the Titans to the playoffs with five, four or five losses. They make the playoffs. Yeah, but they make the yeah. playoffs. They win their division because that's it's a weak you know, division. You just they're probably going to do anyway. And he has twenty two hundred yards rushing. Wouldn't that be the record? <laughs> I think he's going to break the record, but he has an extra game. Yeah, but I think he's going to break the record. I don't know because if you compare, so my only argument against it would be 
if you look at his stats and then you look at Tannehill's stats, Tannehill would still have decent stats. Whereas if you look at Kyler Murray and then you look at their running backs, there's not much there. It is basically everything is going through Kyler Murray on that offense. By that logic, though, you're saying, and maybe this is the the NFL has kind of made this unofficial statement. You, what you're basically saying is no offensive player aside from the quarterback could ever be MVP. No, I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying if... It- well, no, because if, if you say, hey, look at his... Because if, say, a wide receiver, say a guy who has 4,000 receiving yards, but then by that logic, his quarterback has to have at least 4,000 passing yards. No, so my logic would be... be like, okay, yeah, well, look what... I, I know what you're saying, but my logic would be if the quarterback had... 5,000 yards and 4,000 were to that receiver, then the receiver should get it. If the quarterback had 8,000 yards passing and 4,000 were to that receiver, then that means it really wasn't so much the receiver as that quarterback was dominant. Whereas I think with the Titans, I think people assume the Titans always win because Derrick Henry is so unstoppable. But when you watch them play, Tannehill plays well. He's a good quarterback. He doesn't make mistakes. He throws good touchdowns. I'm not implying... Yeah, yeah, he's an NFL quarterback, Frank. Like he's going to make good plays, but no, I mean he could be a be shitty real. NFL quarterback the, as well. I mean, what, that's a stupid thing to say. I th- but most of, <laughs> well, no, because saying like he plays, he makes good throws, he throws touchdown. But it's like, yeah, any starting quarterback, he, the, you know, most of the big plays they make are play action, and the only reason their play action works so well is because he has the biggest threat in the NFL as the option of handing handing the ball off to. So you can reverse it and say, can I subtract every play action yard from Tannehill's stats and then figure out how many passing yards he has where Derrick Henry was not involved as a threat at all, no screens, no play action, and then calculate from there, okay, this is the true assessment of Tannehill's performance minus Henry, because if you're just taking away, well, Tannehill's performance, uh, you know, if, if they have a good passing game, then their, their running game isn't as important as you think it is. Yeah. I mean, so for instance, last year with play action, Tannehill had 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, and with no play action, he had 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, and a 68% completion record versus a 60% with play action. So he was better without play action than with play action last year. Well, how many do you have the number? I have of yards per attempt. So he was at. No, but that's not going to. Because the point would be, it seems weird to me if he has twelve touchdowns from play action and twenty-one from non-play action. That would imply that because I'm doubting that thirty-three percent of their passing plays were play action. I mean, maybe that seems to be very heavy in favor of play action. But if they weren't 33% of the time running play action, then that means their threat from scoring is significantly higher on a play action play than it is on a traditional pass pass play. Yeah, I can't get that deep into the stats, but at least I attempt to back my things without just saying something. He's better with play action. (laughs) It's a feeling. Because I watch Red Zone. It's a feeling. <laughs> no, no, no. 
No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't say he was better as with play action. I was saying that part of the reason why their pass game is effective when it's working well is the play action, and it is the fact that they have the threat of, hey, we can just hand it off to this guy and get six yards. And here you go. Do you want to not stop him? Because he's going to fall forward for six yards. Yeah, I I understand that part. But what I'm also saying, too, is on the other end of the spectrum, who do you think leads the Cardinals in rushing yards? Oh, it's, it's probably not. Kyler it's Murray. It's Chase Edmonds with 390 rushing yards. I mean, that's, you know, like okay. what I'm saying is everything is going through Kyler Murray on that offense. Whereas if you had Kyler Murray and let's say insert a decent running back right now who has six, five, six hundred yards rushing, then I would argue that their offense is just good. The Cardinals offense is just phenomenal. Everyone's clicking. Okay, then. All right. Then by this logic, then we already know who the MVP is for the next 15 years. To be fair, QB's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't argue that if if you t- if if they without this week's game, if the Ravens continued to play like how they were playing, I would have no gripe with Lamar Jackson getting the MVP this year. No, but by your logic, everything runs they through win. Lamar Jackson. If they win, everything. I mean, that's the other caveat. He's the well, most no, valuable then, player on a winning team. Well, then, but. If, if, if the Ravens lose 12 games, even though it goes through him, they're not winning. So why is he valuable? Because they're losing. So, oh, so you, so if he has 500 total yards a game on average, but, they're, but they had the Chiefs defense. So even though he's You're going to give me a completely unrealistic number for of 500 yards a game. Total yards? It's not that crazy. crazy. I mean, could he... Is it inconceivable? How many times has he had 500 okay, yards? Is it inconceivable? How many times? I don't think he's ever done it more than once. But again, you just throw out a number without any backing. This is the Eddie way. <laughs> no, no, because here's the thing is, is it inconceivable? Is it inconceivable that he could average 350 yards through the air and 150 yes. yards on the ground? Yeah, I think that's pretty inconceivable. Has he ever done that in a game? It's not. Maybe once. And now you're saying he's going to average that out. So every game he's going to do it versus doing it once in his 60 games. <laughs> but yeah, is, is it kind of just biased anyway? Like it's inevitably always going to go to a QB. It kind of doesn't matter. But that's my point. If you, if you take Frank's approach, yes, because any running back, it's unlikely you're going to have a running back putting up exceptional numbers in an otherwise awful it's going to be like, oh, we could not, we couldn't pass the ball to save our lives, but our run game was effective somehow, even though these teams didn't just decide to just stop the run at all costs. So, in order for the run game to be effective, you probably need some degree of threat in your pass game. So, yeah, you're basically you're going to say, well, we're always going to default yeah. to the quarterback, and then we're always going to take the quarterback on a winning team. Even if someone else was, which is, that becomes a larger discussion about what does MVP that, mean? That was going to be my point. I would argue that, that that he is undoubtedly, he is the most singularly talented player of any player in the NFL. He's irreplaceable. 
He is the only offensive player that I think you genuinely could not replace in any way, shape, or form by having a free choice from another You're team. You're talking about Kyler Murray. Uh, no, I'm talking about Derrick Henry. I think he could replace Murray. Wait, are you actually talking about Derrick Henry and not Lamar Jackson? I'm talking about Derrick Henry. I think you can replace Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that you run exactly the same plays. I'm saying you get the same level of efficiency out of your quarterback. I think there's no way you get the same level of efficiency out of any other running back. Otherwise, someone else would be doing what Derrick Henry is doing. That's kind of what I think about it. Like, I think with MVP, it always just feels inevitable. Like you say, it's going to go to the winning winning season teams. It's chance are it's going to go to the best names, right? Of that kind of season, which in a way sounds obvious. But for me, I would say the MVP is actually more to do with like what they do and how they transform that team. And look, you, I know you guys will laugh about it, but I just want to have a case in point with it, with Jamar Chase at the Bengals. Joe Burrow. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, you know, like wide receivers never win it, right? So he's never going to win it. So I'm not in, even implying it is. But, right, the guy's got 754 yards through seven games. And that's the best of any first-year player in history. It's never been done. And he's doing it for a team that in 2019 was the worst team. And last year had their franchise QB injured for the year. It's like caveat there. Caveat there. They played a significant chunk of last year without no, their but star we, quarterback. Yes, agreed. So but it's the, not like... It was kind of the case. No, I know. But but that's a, it's, it's framed in a slightly yeah, misleading but, way there of like, they were terrible. Jamar Chase arrived and now look, they're unstoppable. Yeah, this game but what I mean is so like where better. they were to the team they are now. And what? We're nearly halfway through the season. So whether you think it's a flash in the pan with the Bengals or not is separate. But my point is that the story with Jamar Chase is almost like he is more valuable for that team than maybe Murray at the Cardinals. I would I'm just making a point for wide receivers as well. Would, but anyway. I, I Yeah, wide receivers do become trickier because then it is the how much is the quarterback. That becomes a very difficult question to answer. And I, I mean that genuinely. I don't know how you identify how much like – Randy Moss in his incredible season in 2007 with the Patriots. How much is that Randy Moss just being the best wide receiver in the league, which he undoubtedly was, but then how much is it also it's Randy Moss with Tom Brady, with Bill Belichick on a really, yeah. really good team. Cause, and, and that's where it becomes it's for the trickier. wide receivers. That's where it becomes really hard because you are directly tied to the performance of your quarterback. At least with a running back, you can yes. kind of separate them with a wide yeah. receiver. It's, like, yeah, I think running awesome. back and quarterbacks are the only slightly independent positions off of each other, whereas every other position you're depending on, you know, the the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see if Henry can keep it up. But he had what ninety five yards this game, this first game without a hundred in a while. Yeah, but that's also kind of a testament to how good he is, right? Where it's like, he didn't have 100 yards. And that's like, wow, what a terrible performance. Whereas most running backs in the league, if they're getting 80 plus yards there, people are raving about what a good week that was for fill in the blank running back. Yeah, it's his first it's first since week one when he ran for 58 yards against the cards that he's been held to under 100. 
So what were the other talking points from, obviously we kind of touched a little bit on the Bengals there. That was, you know, a little bit of a statement win for them. The Niners really sloppy performance. Are we even talking about the Niners? We're talking about them. They're an irrelevant team at this point. (laughs) I wouldn't say they're, they're not irrelevant yet. They're approaching irrelevance. They're like right above the Giants at number 25. (laughs) <laughs> they're trash adjacent <laughs> they're trash they're trash adjacent for sure now will trey lance be the starter mm. if he's I healthy yes. do you play him next week because it... yes because i think if you're the niners now you also have to make the assumption this season is almost over like we're we're basically in a situation where you know, any Super Bowl hopes have kind of gone out the window. So you may as well get a better sense of what you have in Trey Lance and also give him kind of a free year to try and learn the ropes. Now, there is that assessment there of if it is too much too soon, you could just destroy his confidence. So that's the only thing. And we don't, we have no way of properly answering that. If you really feel like you're just sending him out to the slaughter, don't do it because you could just destroy him. But if they think he is pretty much NFL ready and capable of of putting in some, getting some positives out of each time he goes out there, then yeah, I would basically say this season now is the Trey Lance development season. Will it be the last one with Kyle Shanahan? I said that this discussion was going to happen and it has happened. It's been across a various different media outlets that I read or listen to. There has been that, is Shanahan overrated as a coach discussion? And are we sure Shanahan's that good? I think they'll keep him. In in particular, because he and Lynch get along so well, they're almost a package deal at this point, that for Lynch to make the decision as GM to get rid of Shanahan would be Lynch taking one step towards the door at the same time. So I always think as a head coach, when you do feel as if you and the GM are in it together, and it probably means he have a little bit more time. I think he'll I think they give him a couple more seasons. I think they now will let him let him have the Trey Lance yeah. project. I, I think if he's a bust, I think that's the gone. important thing too, right? I mean, we talked about this last week, I think it was that he's a uh, quarterback guru, right? And he has a young kid who he thinks the world of here that they can hopefully mold into a great QB. So I think you have to give him the shot. And that that approach of having a good veteran coach to handle rookie QB could work well for the Niners. The team that it is not working out for right now is the New York Jets. And at a point, you have to start to feel bad for Zach Wilson because not only are they a coaching staff that has no experience with most of their coaching positions, with Salah's never been a head coach, their O coordinator I don't think has ever called the plays, any of that, they're not giving Wilson, I guess, the best treatment there. But then also, this has been brought up before, but it's now obvious when Wilson went out, their backup is just as unknown and unexperienced of a QB as Zach Wilson is. And it just blows my mind when you have a coaching staff that's inexperienced, you wouldn't at least bring in a veteran QB to help Zach Wilson kind of understand the the ropes of being a 
NFL quarterback. And the, especially because he came from a school that isn't like an Alabama or uh, like a Michigan or something like that, that has an NFL style offense. He came from BYU where when you watch him play, it's just take the ball, run around and make some exciting plays. I mean, no, no disrespect to BYU. I'm sure they have a, a, a good offense, but they're not NFL caliber like these other schools are. And you have a quarterback that, you know, he's probably in the, he's probably the most experienced one in the quarterback room, which is not what you would want it to do. And just watching that unfold was a disaster on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of touches on some of the points I brought up just there with Trey Lance, right? You, you can do so much damage. It's like, yes, maybe he's getting experience and maybe he's improving, but at the same time, you might just be destroying any little bit of confidence he has left and it might not be recoverable. And in a way, the Jets just did this to a quarterback. And you're now seeing a project in Carolina where they're trying to salvage whatever is left of that quarterback. But, you know, it might just be a case here where, and I don't know what you do then, because you know that if you're the Jets and you're losing every game, which they would be, regardless of who was really starting a quarterback, the pressure on the head coach and the, I mean, everyone involved to be putting their high draft pick quarterback in the game would be immense. People would be booing, like calling for the quarterback. They would say, like, why did you draft him if he wasn't able to step right in and make us better? And they would be pointing to other quarterbacks around the league who've been able to do that. So it's sort of a lose-lose when you're already bad. And... I mean, it, it does show the one benefit of Trevor Lawrence being in a city where there just isn't the same level of pressure and attention. Because not that his performances have been as bad as Wilson's, but he does have a tremendous benefit in being in Jacksonville, where certainly on a national level, no one really cares. So you can really get away with some bad performances in the way that People love to laugh and point at how bad the Jets are. That's uh, kind of become like a national pastime over the last 10 years. And you can just be certain his bad highlights, you know, references of to whether or not he's seen ghosts and, and all those sorts of stuff. Sure. That's just never going to stop until a Jets quarterback comes in and does it. You know, you're kind of, you're living in the shadow of the butt fumble, basically. And until a quarterback comes in and, and takes them back to the playoffs, that's... Is this, be there. Like this is something I don't. I, I, I'm maybe just trying to think about, but it's specifically like a New York thing, right? This kind of pressure because you always, mem- you always, you you just mentioned about like your quarterbacks having their like confidence shattered because you know m- maybe they're thrown into a bad team or bad receivers, so the transition year is a bit difficult. But surely, surely there's an expectancy with these players that they're kind of mentally conditioned and ready for this kind of thing to some extent that they wouldn't be shattered within five games of playing. Like you have to, except you have to, you have to expect that almost every quarterback who makes the NFL has spent their entire career just winning. Like you'll have probably made it to the NFL having been on an overwhelmingly dominant high school team where maybe you lost a couple of games. Like maybe you're on a smaller team in your state and you lost some, state championship games or something from time to time, but you probably had a win percentage way over 90%. Then you've gone to a college where even if you've gone to BYU as Wilson, so yeah, you've not won national titles, but he's won 
the vast majority of his college starts. Yeah, they were national and championship so contention that last year. Remember, they went like undefeated or they lost yeah. their last game or something like that. You know, they he was good his last season. So suddenly, for the first time in your life, you're not winning consistently. And that's also when you're being tested. I mean, just imagine it in your own career progression. Imagine you're like, yeah, I'm really good at this. Yeah, I'm really good at this. Oh, I just got a big promotion. Everything dumpster fire. Like everything's going wrong. And there, you can't, you can't tell me that you would sit there confidently being like, I have 100% confidence in my own abilities. If I can just see this through, if everyone can just have confidence in me for a little bit longer, I will write this ship. There would be at least a seed in your mind going, uh-oh, maybe I wasn't that good. Maybe I'm, I've overestimated my abilities throughout a lot of my life, and the people around me just haven't realized I was not quite. And then add on to that, when you walk out of your office, you just have people screaming and booing you <laughs> and badgering you on social media 24-7, <laughs> throwing tomatoes at your face as you walk out of your office. <laughs> Yeah, and then you would be like logging into LinkedIn and there would be an article there saying, is Samuel Jones good at his job? I don't think so. Would Dexter Jones be better? Right. Hot. <laughs> exactly. I think, and, and look, some people will ride that out and maybe with some people that even makes them more resilient and mentally tougher. You know, there's... There is that possibility, but I can understand someone getting crushed by it, even if they are pretty tough. And even if it, they do have all of the necessary talent and abilities to be a really successful NFL quarterback. I think that's the, that's the thing with sports, right? So much of it. Yes. People can argue it's a meritocracy and yes, the, the kind of, you know, the talent will shine through at all opportunities, but so much of it is situational. You stick a really good player in any sport onto just a disastrous team. A, it's tough to look that good, and B, it's easy for you to lose confidence in yourself based on the overall team performance, even if you think, I'm way better than this. It, at a certain moment in time, it might not matter. Yeah, and then I guess in that same scenario, you have Justin Fields, who has looked progressively worse as the weeks have gone on and had a absolutely horrific week and the surprising thing was Mahomes had the worst QBR out of the early games with I think it was like a six which is terrible and then Justin Fields came out and said I can top that and I think had a 1.5 or two which is almost off the charts bad uh so he's another one you know you have to start to question if he goes through even three four more weeks of that bad of a a performance who knows what that's going to do to him um it's it did not look good but one of the interesting facts eddie oh well i also think the similarities you see in both of those situations is not only is it question marks of how good is a quarterback it's everything else in the organization like if you go to the patriots and you're a bad rookie quarterback at least you know okay all of the other pieces around me we know are good we know that these people are going to be able to bring the best out of me if they are saying I'm good, then I believe like Bill Belichick giving me the stamp of approval means something. And I also know that Bill Belichick isn't going to be fired because I lose my game. I lose the next game. And you also don't have to go into that game thinking, crap, if I lose this game and the, the head coach does get fired, 
maybe the next head coach won't believe in me. So I really need this guy to stick around because he's the only way I'm going to get any, like his future is tied to my future. And we both know that. So the only way I'm actually going to get a chance here is if he's mm-hmm. around for a while. As soon as a new guy comes in and wants to clean house, I'm gone. Because he's not going to want to be stuck. He, I, he doesn't want to be Isn't this just the inevitability of the way the NFL drafts? Is that the best QBs are going to go to the worst teams? Like, that's, that's the balancing idea, right? So I just find it strange. Like, I know this was like an especially kind of bumpy year for, for kind of QBs getting drafted in terms of like expectation on them. But isn't it always the case that good QBs are going to go to the worst team. So isn't there always going to be this pressure? Well, there's always going to be this pressure. The argument would be, and this is the problem for the QBs who struggle a little bit initially, is that there are enough examples of quarterbacks pretty quickly turning things around. I mean, look at look at Joe Burrow with the Bengals. I mean, yes, they are not, they have other things around him. They're not a terrible team, but he was instantly able to make an impact and they looked better from one week to the next because of what he was able to offer at the quarterback position. Whereas you don't look at the jets or the bears and say, they look okay. They're still bad. They're still losing games, but things look a little bit better. Nothing looks better. And look, I mean, we've kind of had this discussion before when we talked about the concept of not rushing Trey Lance in, or even not rushing Justin Fields in, you know, it's not that long ago that a quarterback would have sat for a long time. You know, Mahomes only played one game in his rookie year. And, you know, Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, these were not players who were necessarily rushed into starting jobs at all times. But you, nowadays, the expectation is you draft a quarterback high in the draft. He should be your starter week one of the next season. No questions asked. And then the expectation is because other quarterbacks have delivered from pretty much week one of their first season, that if he doesn't do the same, then he probably sucks. So what's what's changed there then? Is it just that the NFL is becoming more fickle or like uh, kind of crowds and um, uh, kind of staff are becoming, or owners, I guess, are becoming more fickle with it? Because I agree with you, like in the same way that you, if you sign like a 17-year-old wonder kid, it isn't the expectation that he goes into Manchester City and starts scoring 20 goals. So you kind of bench him, you bleed him into the lineup. So why all of a sudden with the NFL, you know, wonder kid, that's, that's, not, that's, a, an FM that's not a word. <laughs> that's, that's, I always associate wonder kid with football manager. Uh, I'm, I'm making a oh, really? Ted Lasso I've joke. So. Wow. I've completely forgotten about that show. <laughs> Even I knew that joke. <laughs> wow. Um, you may, I cannot wait until we have a sponsorship deal with like an MRI. Oh no, it was just like machine manufacturer because we need to get some, I think we need to get Ted some Lasso, scans from like, both of you. You know, it's a good second season, but it's done. On to the third. Let's see it. Um, I didn't realize your memory was just pretty, a hard drive. It's pretty selective it for long term retention. Kind of, uh, that's for sure. But anyway, like uh, you wouldn't do that with in the Premier League unless you spent an insane amount of money and they were already doing it. But w- why why has the NFL now changed from, you know, the people you mentioned to like what we're seeing now with all the young rookie QBs? Well, I think the rules have changed, right? It's made becoming a quarterback easier. More and more college teams are running offenses that where the transition. And also, I think two things have happened. Co- college, a lot of college offenses have become a little bit closer to the NFL in their approach. And then also a lot of NFL offenses have become a little bit closer to 
the college style in their approach. So the transition period is maybe not as severe as it might have been in the past. And then additionally, just with the rules rule changes, it's maybe become a little bit easier to be a quarterback in the NFL. And so you maybe feel as if someone should be able to deliver a little bit faster. But I don't know. I mean, if you want to do the comparison to, yeah, if you sign, even if he's a 17, 18-year-old kid, you sign someone for 90 million pounds, how long are they going to tolerate him being sat on the bench and saying, no, 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 he's one for the future. If you're losing games week in, week out, and he's just sitting on the bench unused, not even making the, the match day squad, say hypothetically, people would be questioning your decision-making and having spent that money and very quickly saying, uh-oh, are they now deciding that he wasn't good enough and didn't warrant this kind of move? So you'd see it in every sport to a degree. Obviously, the the U.S. is just different because of the draft. But look, most quarterbacks are going to be flops. This is the thing we really know, right? But I also think you have to give people time. You know, a lot of the quarterbacks who are performing right now didn't necessarily, you know, Josh Allen was good in his first year, but he wasn't. He also didn't start amazing. right away. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think after a few starts, someone would have turned around and said, hey, within a couple of years, he's going to be in the discussion for being possibly the best quarterback in the league. That would have been a bold prediction to have made. So having some patience is a good thing. At the same time, knowing when to cut your ties and stop the losses, also a good thing. So it's a difficult decision to make. Eddie, I don't know if you heard the useless stat this week thrown around, but that was, speaking of Justin Fields, that was the first time that Tom Brady from the University of Michigan faced off against a quarterback from Ohio State in his career. I didn't know that. That's kind yeah. of surprising, though. That's, that's not – that's an interesting okay. fact. Uh, that's that's upgraded. That's an interesting that's one. Hey, well done, Frank. Good work. <laughs> well, here's what I was – Here's what I would well. Here's what I would say is that could be a really difficult, like pub quiz trivia question. Like list all of the Ohio State quarterbacks that Tom Brady has played against <laughs> in his NFL career. You would I would have come up with a list of probably four or five, and so that would be interesting. Or even if you just said how many has he played against, if you wanted to make it a slightly easier question. So in that sense, I think it's interesting. I thought the useless – I mean, the useless stat, right, is the Mahomes' first game with no yeah. touchdowns. Since he's with, – With the offense. Yeah, since he's no been a starter. Been, in the, been with the Chiefs. Did you know, Eddie, that Sunday was National Tight Ends Day? I'm not sure if you caught that. It was only said 5,000 times on television. <laughs> I need to give that a rest. I like Kittle, and but it's it's where something that was kind of a joke – has evolved into being way bigger than it was. And now like it's Scorigami. <laughs> also getting extremely annoying. Yes. Yes. Also the Scorigami thing. So for those unfamiliar, that's the Scorigami, which is like they identify when a score has never happened before in the NFL. And I first became aware of it. I think it was a week ago when there was a game where like, oh, this is the this the score that's about to happen has never happened again in the NFL. And I was like, well, that's crazy. I wouldn't have thought that happens very often. 
Then the next week it happens again. And I'm like, I don't know how interesting this is. Now that we've created this as a thing, is this going to happen five times a season where it's like this, this score has never happened before. I mean, at some point in time, right, they exhaust the possibilities. That's the, the good news. Barring teams starting to have 73, 74 games. Yeah, so there's, as of now, there's been 1,068 unique scores in the NFL. I can't tell if that's a lot. Like, with the permutations and the almost infinite possibilities, right? But you hear it now all the time. It gets very annoying very quick. It's not so, like, who cares? And it's like an alert. Like, I guess. Okay, let me tell you some scores. So I'm looking at NFL scores. So there are 1,419 missing scores. I guess Wait. this is based on scores they consider to be achievable. Yeah. Because, so, yeah, because conceivably yeah. there's an infinite number of missing scores. But. So of the ones that you would think, looking through this list, and it's surprising, have never happened, 11-9 has never That's happened. That's surprising. That's kind of surprising. Uh, How would you get to 11? To, um, so, Three field goals and a safety? Uh, go for two and a field goal. Go for two and a field goal. Two and a field goal. I mean, nowadays where teams might go for two on their opening, you know, you'll see teams score their first touchdown and go for two. It's, it's become more I was more wondering doable. when you would ever. Yeah. Okay. Why would Why you have you gone would, for two? You just need a team that's decided. That. Well, like the, like the Browns went for two right in there. The, the Browns have gone for two and scored the opening on their, when against the Chiefs, didn't they do that? They like scored on their opening possession and yeah. they instantly went for two, I think. Um, but it is, look, a lot of these scores would require a safety. So a lot of them, like 4-0. So you need two safeties and nothing else. 2-2 two, two has never happened. 4-2. What a game 2-2 two, two would four. be. <laughs> so basically any, basically any score that involves just, a, just safeties being scored by one team has not occurred. 18-11 uh, has never happened. 2011 has never happened. Oh, a lot of 11s. 2211. 2218. That seems like a score you would have seen. This must be riveting listening, I will say. <laughs> Just me <laughs> running through numbers being like, isn't it crazy that's never happened? 2518 has never happened. Are you going to tell users to like spot the pattern in, in what you're saying? Like some sort of like sequence that unlocks like a safe. Basically. Basically, here's the thing is, if you think of the team's winning score and then you say against two, four, five, eight, or 11, it probably hasn't happened. It's basically what this works out. So as. just to wrap it up, last year in 2020, there were 12 scoragamis in the NFL. So it happens fairly regularly. Oh, so it's basically <laughs> yeah. every week. Oh. And and that's the reason why it will be happening more regularly now, right? Is people going yeah. for two more frequently, which means not only are they getting eights, but they're also getting sixes more frequently. Thrilling stuff. Maybe we can d dedicate a future podcast to ranking unachieved. NFL <laughs> or scores. we just say a score and you say if it's been achieved or not. And then you tell me the first time Ooh. it was. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> 
That could be a Christmas okay. special. I'll tell you what. Okay, as a game, as a game, as a game, we'll play really quickly now. You two try and say a score that has not been achieved. Now, the only rule now being you cannot use two, four, eight, or eleven as one of the common as one of the scores. And you also can't pick some. You can't tell me one hundred and ten to ninety four. So within reason. Try and guess a number, and I will tell you whether or not that score has been achieved. Thirty-one, nineteen. Okay, Frank. Uh, Sam, sorry. Forty-three, twelve. <laughs> he goes for over forty. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so yes. thirty-one, nineteen. Thirty-one, nineteen has been achieved. Sorry. The only available, interestingly enough, the only 31s that have not been hit yet are 31-4 and 31-11. Every oh. other combination involving 31 that they consider to be realistic has been done. And what was 76 to 68, <laughs> yeah. I think it was. 312. 40, what was it? 4312. <laughs> it's been <Second> done. <laughs> Forty-three was a good number to go for, though. Forty-three has not been combined with forty-three, two, four, five, nine, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-three, thirty-six, forty-one, or forty-two. So, All right. Well, uh, you identified a good winning number. I'll, I'll go for forty-three, one. fifteen then. <laughs> it looks like. This podcast we've dedicated to trying out some new segments. Some work, <laughs> some, some have not. Some, some have been good. Some winners, some losers. Now, speaking of people who might be running out of time then, I guess the big takeaway from the Premier League this weekend was Liverpool's dismantling of Manchester United, which in and of itself, it was a good performance from them and definitely reinforces their title challenge just with the nature of i mean just how good they looked but i think most people have walked away from that not focusing on liverpool's performance but rather how bad manchester united looked and time does seem to be running out for oligana solskjaer with tonight reports suggesting that manchester united have approached uh, conte to come in as his replacement interesting i mean the all of the re reaction to it right was that he seemed to switch to a, a press there was i don't know if you saw but there was a ronaldo reaction after when one of liverpool scored one of their goals where he was kind of like pointing all over the pitch to indicate the fact that their tactics were sort of scrambled and people were just all over the place um you have to think at this point that solskjaer is a dead man walking and it's it's a yeah. question of when and not if i mean it was point. such an abject performance like from all kind of parts of the pitch as well like the defending was atrocious there was kind of no there was no tracking back there was no like care within the midfield either and then obviously up front was kind of nothingness as well um i think it's just i honestly you could probably just sack him on the performance alone it was that bad uh, but obviously there's a lot of other parts coming into it, like um, 
obviously they've brought Ronaldo in. They've, they've spent money on Sancho and they haven't really understand how to bring him into the fold as well. It does kind of just have that feeling that he just doesn't have the experience or the kind of know-how to take what is a very talented group of players, whether that's a talented team is a different story. So, um, yeah, but have you been listening to kind of all the Man U legends talking about it, like Ferdinand and Roy Keane and all that? And they've basically been pointing to the fact that all of these players are... It's Solskjaer, look. Solskjaer's to blame as well, but all of these players, like the second they get an opportunity to like throw Solskjaer under the bus or kind of make it about them in terms of, oh, it wasn't me, I was good on the pitch and that, they, they're kind of feeling that there's just no sense of team mentality with them. I don't know if you see it, but I know there's a lot of personalities in the team. But Yeah, I think you could replace the word personality with egos. And... <laughs> It's tough. And and it's also tough from a player perspective because a lot of them get blamed. You know, Paul Pogba for a long time has been a little bit of a scapegoat when it comes to Manchester United's performance. And Ronaldo is becoming one where already people are saying, oh, was it wrong? Can you win with Ronaldo? Yes, he'll score goals, but do you have to sacrifice so much because of the, his lack of work rate that it basically you're not able to press teams because he just won't work hard enough. So therefore you can't play in the modern style that basically every big team uses. It's, I mean, so you can understand from a player perspective of sort of, particularly if you're Ronaldo and you walk in and you're a lifetime winner and you, you're kind of three months into being at the club, a club that wasn't winning and is basically kind of doing what it has done over the past few seasons and suddenly you're getting blamed. And you think to yourself, what have I done? Like, I'm not, maybe we're not doing better with me, but we're not doing any worse. And somehow I'm being blamed for how poor these performances are. So it's tough all around. He needs, you probably need a very highly respected manager to step in to manage the, the players that are there. But then I guess it's tough because there's examples, you know, Klopp wasn't some huge name necessarily when he was given the chance at Liverpool. He certainly wasn't a huge name when he was given the chance at Dortmund. It's it's a tricky one. Do you think it's inevitable with Conte though? Because, I, I mean, obviously he gave that interview where he said like, yep, I'll take the man new job, ready for it, etc. But the the kind of over the past like hour or so on Twitter, it doesn't seem like anything's even been offered to him or even approached to him. So there's a ton of contradiction going around, but it, it's con. Well, they they can't they can't approach they can't approach him until they sack Solskjaer. I mean, I know that they will have they'll they'll contact his agent and say, would he take this job? Hypothetically. That's what you can you imagine if it if it trans if it comes out that they've negotiated a contract with Conte and but Solskjaer still employed. <laughs> this is really awkward, like double the match manager position where they've got two coaches. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. So Conte supposedly is generally against taking charge of teams mid-season. This is one, supposedly for people who are familiar with him and know him, he says that is not a good move. Eddie, can I give you 
I think to be another interesting fact about this. You you tell me if you think it's interesting or not. Okay. As okay, either I'll a player chance. or a manager, he's been involved in four out of the five worst United losses in Premier League history. You did or didn't? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I did know that. But I mean, because Manchester United have only lost at home by five goals or more, I think. Oh. For Premier League, there are something like that. I think it was five, wasn't it? And th- this is combined. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is counting. Yeah. And three of those were in the last 10 years. So, and yeah, I guess he would have been two of them he was manager for. And then I suppose he was. Is he still a player for them the, when City beat them? Uh, oh, the why always me? Ballot, yeah, it was six one, wasn't it? The why always me? No, but he was involved when Chelsea beat them five nothing, and when Newcastle beat them five nothing. Speaking of football, though, um, Eddie, I don't know if you saw. Did you see Joey Barton's in the news for all the wrong reasons again? Some of his. <laughs> It's crazy. So um, he manages um, Bristol Rovers. So obviously, a, a, like a small League Two team. And do you know what he said about the terrible performance? And I quote: "Someone gets in, does well for the game, and then has an absolute holocaust, a nightmare. You know, an absolute disaster." It's not funny, obviously, for some reasons. The reason why it is funny, I mean, Joey Barton is an idiot. So he probably kind of learned the word Holocaust, but doesn't really obviously understand what it means. It's not as if he is genuinely comparing their performance to a genocide and the attempted extermination of the Jewish people and a number of other ethnic groups. But it's just wonderful because he will have, he would have, you know, he probably thought he was like, "I'm going to use a big word here. I'm going to say." I love as a like coining Nailed a phrase. Now is that an absolute it. holocaust, yes. mate? It's absolutely terrible. Like one of the people who um, went back to him, I think, from the fan <laughs> association group was like, "Always a way to say bad, yet you decide how to say it." Will the players be having a nine eleven next? <laughs> it's like this idea of just. Well, that's not doing any better. That's not doing it. You can't. You can't try and call him out by making a joke about. Oh, I next. What's it going to be next? But and look, certain managers could probably get away with that as being part of their charm, right? Who was the his name? Oh, Ian Holloway. Like if Ian Holloway had said that, he probably gets away with just being this kind of country bumpkin using weird words in a kind of charming way to describe his team, but. <laughs> The fact that Joey Barton obviously has a number of, for context for listeners not familiar with the Joey Barton story, he once tried to put a cigar, well, did put a cigar out right in a teammate's eye. Can you do this at one moment? He's had multiple fights with teammates. Uh, Unfortunately, his cousin was linked to a fairly high-profile murder. That's not necessarily his fault, but it didn't do his reputation any good. Um, Yeah, just over the course of his career has had a number of run-ins with both the law and his teammates. So he also very strangely signed for Marseille and then started having a French accent in his press conferences. 
when he was speaking English. I want to go back to Country Bumpkin. What is the more <laughs> insulting part of that? The country or the bumpkin? <laughs> How dare you call me uh, country? When you say someone's like from the country, sometimes it can be quite insulting. <laughs> not the not not just the way. Yeah, yeah but like I understand like just you can use like words city. around it and the way you say it could be bad. But you can't just say the word country. Yeah. If if I just say I you can't if I say oh, I live out in the country. Down. Language. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> but it was obviously it was really important of the um, chief executive I mean, of the Holocaust Educational Trust to come out and say a bad football match is nothing like the Holocaust. It, it's I'm I'm because I was I was unsure like having a, a source of knowledge like Joey Barton who famously once punched Morton Gamps Pedersen in the face as well. <laughs> it's also a pretty good one. Um, I didn't realize he was such a okay. learned scholar on the, um, the Holocaust. Right, well, I'll talk to you boys later. See ya. Cheerio.